0: I want to invite you to my kitchen table this morning. I want to invite myself to your kitchen table this morning. And I want to bring you in on conversation that's been taking place at my kitchen table. And I want to ask that you'd bring me in on a conversation that you've been having at your kitchen table. If we had secret cameras this morning in our kitchen tables or wherever it is that we have those family, or personal conversations... Those, those cameras would reveal a variety of things. Those cameras would reveal a variety of conversations that are, that are quite different. Some of those conversations would be, where, where do you think we should begin to look for our retirement home? Some of those conversations would be, how are we going to get our parents to, to take that step to the nursing home? Some of those conversations would be, I'm not sure how we're going to make the mortgage work this next month. Some of those conversations would be, well, which school should our child go to kindergarten at next year? If you had a camera looking at all those different conversations in all of our homes, the conversations would be quite diverse. There'd be a lot of different things that we'd be discussing in our own personal lives and with our families. And in the midst of all of those differences, all of that diversity around all of our tables, There would be at least one commonality around every kitchen table. That one commonality that may never be discussed at the kitchen table, but it exists at every kitchen table. That commonality is death. That commonality, in a broader sense, is the need for hope. The need For something promising in the midst of difficulty. One commonality we all share. We're headed for the exact same destination. Every single one of us. Not just every single one of us, but every human being that has ever existed. That's not me sharing this morning, that's science sharing this morning, that's logic speaking this morning. That's personal experience of every one of us sharing this morning. That we face the exact same destination. Death. We are in need of hope. We are in need of something promising. Well, today we gather together to proclaim the unexpected. Today we gather together to reflect upon the mysterious. Today we gather together to celebrate the unexpected, that there is hope, that that final destination for every human being does not have to be their eternal destination. This morning, we gathered together to say, we have hope. And so this morning, as we reflect upon God's word, every time I say, we have hope, I want you to respond and say, cling to Jesus. You're going to follow along here because this is going to get complicated quickly. We have hope. Okay, now a little more. Every time I say cling to Jesus, you're going to say, for we have hope in Jesus. Okay, it's a little bit complicated. Okay, Okay, here we go. Follow along here. (laughs) Cling to Jesus we have hope in Jesus. We have hope. Cling to Jesus. 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 All right, pretty simple, right? Follow along, be ready. You have permission to speak audibly during today's message. We're proclaiming Something absolutely mysterious and amazing that changes every destiny for every human being. Today we're remembering the central event in human history. The central event in human history is that a man named Jesus was killed and after he was dead, came back to life. Now, this morning I just want to provide at least one item for why you can be confident in celebrating the central event in history. We're not just gathered together this morning to celebrate some mysterious thing that's written in some children's book. We're remembering a factual event in history. Now, we don't all agree on this. So this is why I want to encourage you this morning that you can have confidence this morning in why we're talking about this. Some may say this morning, well, hey, we can believe in the resurrection because people died believing in the resurrection. That's true. However, be careful saying that. People die for untrue stuff all of the time. People die for myth and legend every single day. The willingness of the early disciples to die does not prove the resurrection. Now, it's evidence, it points that something must have happened. But the real evidence of the resurrection... Is kind of complicated, so try and follow here. But before we get into that, we have hope! Cling to Jesus! Jesus. Jesus. Okay, if you can handle that complexity, you can handle this complexity. The reason we can have confidence in the resurrection is because of the public appearances of Jesus and the communal opportunities to correct that teaching. So after Jesus rose from the dead he appeared publicly to a variety of groups of people. And then the New Testament and other documents begin to build the teaching of Christianity based off of those appearances and including those appearances in their documents of saying these 500 people, for example. The reason for that is that people could have went to those 500 and said, hey, look what's written. Is this true? They could have corrected it and changed the teaching of Christianity. But they didn't because it was done in the open. It could have been corrected in the opening. We can have confidence in the resurrection because of the public appearance of Jesus Christ, the teaching that followed, and the fact that that teaching was never thought of before. So think of it this way if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and the disciples were like, oh, shucks, what are we going to do? They killed our leader and now we're stuck empty-handed. We've got to make something up to keep momentum. I mean, this is logical. They would have had to say, hey, we've got to make something up to keep the offering coming, right? You've got to pay the bills. So they, they would have had made something up. What would they have made up? They would have made up something that would have made more sense to the people's ears who originally would have heard it. They would have made up something that would have fallen in line with Jewish heritage that wouldn't have caused their persecution and ultimately their death. But they proclaimed something that had never been heard before. They didn't think this was going to happen this way. So they proclaimed something new, and they didn't just come up with that new idea because no one had that idea. Okay? This was an idea that was speculated upon that someone was going to come back from the dead. The idea didn't exist. They proclaimed it because they experienced it and saw it. And then they gave the community an opportunity to correct them on it. Today we're remembering, remembering the single event in history that changed Everything the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have hope. This could be a long sermon. You're already falling behind. (laughs) We're celebrating this central event in Christianity. And the question for us this morning is not, is Jesus relevant in our lives? But, do I allow... Jesus to relate to all my life. Some of you come here this morning saying, I I just don't think Jesus is that relevant. Well, the reason you're saying that is because you're ignoring the reality of humanity. Death. There's not a single human being that can say Jesus is irrelevant because every human being deals with the exact same destiny. Jesus is extremely relevant, more relevant than anyone or anything else. So, he is all, he is resurrected from the dead. Now, what is this that Jesus has given to us? In 1 Peter chapter 1, the author says, hey, I want to encourage you before I get into all of this detailed stuff. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, we're reading a letter that's written to a bunch of Christians that are really being persecuted, and they're on a run, in a sense. And so, first, for, so Peter writes 1 Peter and encourages them. At the beginning of the letter, he says, hey, praise God. Why? Praise God for this living hope that you have. In other words, Jesus brings us hope. And, and so Peter is saying, hey, you should be encouraged. You should be bold. Now, hope in the Bible is different than hope that you and I think about. When you and I think of hope, we think of the Minnesota Twins winning the World Series, right? Hope springs eternal every spring, right? Everybody, I mean, right now, they're 7-4, and four, right? And so everybody's, everybody's got a little bit of a desire right now going, oh, this is the year. We are in. I even saw a graphic yesterday on StarTribune.com that had them in the playoffs. Okay, so that kind of hope is this. It's a desire built off of foolishness. That's the kind of hope. Who said that? Uh, Usher, we might have to have somebody removed. Now, the hope that we have in this life is where we want something, but we kind of, we say it wanting it, but kind of knowing that we don't really know if it's going to happen. The the Christian hope in the New Testament is completely different. Hope in the New Testament is this word for sure confidence. This idea of desiring something, but certainty of what you're desiring. So the Apostle Peter is saying, hey, guess what? You can have sure confidence in the resurrection. You can have sure confidence in this hope. Therefore, you have this living hope. This living hope, what is it? In 1 Peter chapter 1, if you have your Bibles open, look with me there. Let's look and see what is this hope. 1 Peter 1, verse 4. 1 Peter 1, verse 4. So what is this hope? This thing that we're hoping for, that we have sure confidence in that's coming. Verse 4, he says this. You have hope that you have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. How many of you like the idea of an inheritance? People, it's Easter. Wake up a little bit, and you shouldn't lie in church on Easter. How many of you want an inheritance? Every hand should be going up. Everybody wants an inheritance. Well, how about an inheritance that does not perish or fade? An inheritance that cannot go away. That's amazing. That's what what Peter is saying here, that's God's word is saying to us here, is that that's your hope. Your hope is that, guess what? You have an inheritance, or you have a promise, that's what? going to last for eternity, and nothing, absolutely nothing, can touch that inheritance. Every inheritance that you and I have right now in this world, guess what? Something or someone can touch it. The United States government, a robber, a fellow family member, rust or dust, something or someone can touch every inheritance we have here on earth. But God's word is saying, the ultimate inheritance that you have, guess what? No one can touch it. Why? Look with me here at verse 4. Kept in heaven for you. What Peter's doing here is he's trying to encourage, he's trying to build, give boldness to people who are suffering. They're being persecuted And so he wants to remind them that, hey, guess what? No matter how bad it gets right now, no matter how much they make fun of you, no matter how much they personally injure you, guess what? They can't take your inheritance. They can take everything. They can take your spouse. They can take your house. They can take your money. They can take it all. But guess what? They cannot take your inheritance because it's kept in heaven for you. This is the living hope that we have The living hope that we have is Jesus who rose and is in heaven, kept for you and I. That's good news. We have hope. All right, you're doing a little better. This inheritance that we have is unlike any other inheritance. The reason it's unlike any other inheritance is because no one. has ever experienced it or done it before. No one has ever claimed to come back from the dead and stay alive. People have claimed that they went into the emergency room, died, and came back to life. But then those people died again at some point. This is completely different. Jesus comes back from the dead and stays alive. And that's the inheritance that we have, is we have a living God who returns for us and gives us brand new bodies that are imperishable, undefiled, perfect for eternity, and nothing, absolutely nothing or no one can touch that hope in your life. That's why Christians can have boldness no matter what is taking place, because our sure confidence, our ultimate destiny is secure through Jesus Christ in heaven for us. And so today we remember that great event. Today we proclaim that we have hope. And so now the question becomes, all right, what do I do today? What do I do today? I know that I've got that inheritance down the road. Well, what do, I, what do you do today? Today you cling to Jesus. We need to practice that a little bit more. Cling to Jesus for we have hope in Jesus. Cling to Jesus. What do you and I do today? That's what we do, is we say, Jesus is my all in all. Look with me back here in 1 Peter chapter 1, down to verse 8. So he's been giving this encouragement, saying, hey, in the midst of suffering, be strong. And then verse 8 he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he's describing here saying, hey, right now, guess what? You have salvation right now and you're loving Jesus right now. So you and I today, the way the resurrection affects us Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday is this. We become what we hope for. This isn't that uncommon for you and I. What we hope for, we work for. So for example, back to our inheritance question. You want an inheritance from your parents? What do you do so you get that inheritance from your parents? You have them over for Easter. You go and help with the lawn work, right? What do you do? You do this stuff. Why? You want to stay in good graces because you want the inheritance. So what you hope for, now some of you are like, hmm, I wonder why my kids are having me over today. <laughs> it doesn't happen with everyone. So, what you hope for is what you end up working for. Every sports team says at the beginning of their season, saying, we hope to win it all. So what do they work for? They work to win. If our hope is Jesus, what do we then become? We become like Jesus. In 1 John 3, verse 3, it says this, In Him who we hope, just as He is pure, we become pure. So First 1 John 3, he's saying, hey, you're hoping in Jesus, and he's pure, so therefore, guess what? You're going to become pure yourself. Because what you hope for, you work for. So how does the resurrection affect us today? The resurrection affects us today by clinging to Jesus. And when I cling to Jesus, I become like Jesus. You and I are really good at imitation. We, we do this. Every human being does this every age. You imitate people really, really well. Look at what you're wearing today. There's not an original dresser in the crowd, I don't think. Right? Some of you are like, yeah, my spouse is about as original as it gets. Anyhow, you are imitating a style that was put in place by someone else. We were at gymnastics with my young daughter, and they were kind of throwing around this beach ball. As they're throwing around this beach ball in the circle, you know, some kids are kind of just wandering like this. And, of course, my kid is the perfect athlete and the great (laughs) participant, so it's fully engaged but they're throwing the beach ball around, and this one person just winds up with the beach ball over the head, top like this, right at this other girl just kind of standing here, and goes, boom, right in the face. So the teacher kind of says, okay, let's be ready for the pass, and let's pass nicely. So that young girl picks up the beach ball. What does she do? Boom, next kid right over. Where does she get that idea from? She imitates what she sees. You and I do it all the time. We imitate other people. We imitate culture, thought patterns, actions, and styles. The question is not, are we imitators? The question is, am I imitating Jesus? And if Jesus is our hope, we work to become like Jesus. Because if Jesus is our hope, we cling to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. A plus, second row. Everybody else, come back to confirmation at noon. Today we celebrate and we remember the greatest event in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that brought us hope for eternity. And because it brings us hope for eternity, we cling to to the one who is our hope. Let's return to the kitchen table this morning. Let's go to the conversations that we're having around the kitchen table and ask ourselves, how does this resurrection change everything that happens in our lives? Some of you are coming this morning with doubts about Jesus. Some of you are coming not totally focused on Jesus. You're not alone. On that front. This is dangerous. This might get me in extremely hot water this morning, but I want to share with you a little bit what's going on in my life over the last year. Over the last year, about the last 12 months, as I shared at our congregational meeting a couple of weeks ago, have been probably the most difficult 12 months of my work life that I've had in my young, my young working time. Over the last 12 months has just been on a real challenge front A couple of things. Over the last 12 months, something strange has been happening where I've been having more antagonism towards Christianity as a whole. So, for example, this is don't share this in a good thing or a bad thing. And some of you are embarrassed. Right? I have a pastor that'll even say this. We have a daughter that was born last July, August. Sorry, August. (laughs) That's what's been going on the last year. Thing.
1: Thing, thing. So I had a daughter that was born
0: last August, thing. <laughs> last July to me. Thing. Um, but kind of what's been happening over that time frame, just kind of of a picture, of bring you into the kitchen table. I'm at a point in my Christian journey where I know the Bible inside and out, and I don't say that in a, in a braggadocious type of way. I know the Bible inside and out. I've read almost every preacher that, that's alive. Yet in the midst of that, we've got a daughter that's been born. A daughter is yet to be baptized. Because I don't know if I want to baptize her. Because I've been wrestling with what's this mean? What's the right thing to do? Because I, I've got this little thing growing up inside of me of some antagonism towards Christianity. That's, that's been going on. About six weeks ago, I wrote in my journal typed in my little evernote on my phone i typed in that phone i said life would be a lot easier without jesus i wrote that because i every stressor at that point was somehow connected to jesus every stressor was connected To Jesus so I just wrote it said this is just reality just let it be and then three weeks ago I started to study first Peter chapter one just to kind of do my Greek study of first Peter chapter one try to memorize it let it noodle in my mind kind of what I call crock pot the scripture verses for a couple of weeks And I went back then as I noodled on 1 Peter 1 and reflecting on this phrase, life would be a lot easier without Jesus. Just went back to that phrase and after noodling on 1 Peter 1, it became really obvious, life would be over without Jesus. Literally over without Jesus at some point. So there may be stress connected to Jesus. But guess what? More than that stress, there is hope and joy from Jesus that overwhelms any stress point at any moment. And so what's happened to me over the last year, and I'm not there yet, still wrestling with some of this stuff, but what's happened to me over the last year is I've gotten to a point where I've said to my wife, I just said this last week, you can ask her if you're sitting at the kitchen table. I said, if I leave my job right now at King of Glory, There's one reason I leave my job. It's because I'm leaving Christianity. As I reflect upon leaving Christianity, one thing comes back. That Christianity is not about religious activity in the church deciding what type of chairs we're going to buy or what kind of building we're going to be in. Christianity is not about religious activity of wearing the right things or being in the right group of people. Christianity is not a religion where you work to get something. Christianity is a relationship with the King and the Creator of this universe who rose from the grave to give us eternal hope. And over the last year, I think I haven't baptized our child yet because God's been working on me to put everything aside, all secondary issues, and cling to the one thing that matters, Jesus Christ. And this morning... The creator of the universe is calling out to you today to cling to the one thing, the one person that matters Jesus Christ. No matter what discussion you're having around your kitchen table, there's only one, there is only one who will give you hope in the midst of every discussion Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we celebrate and we remember. The greatest event in human history. That all other religious activity gets pushed to the side and it comes down to this one thing. Did Jesus rise from the dead? And if Jesus rose from the dead, guess what? We have hope. And today, because of the hope that we have in Jesus, we have one responsibility. Cling to Jesus. I don't know where you're at today in your religious walk. I don't know where you're at in your work life and in your personal life. I've shared a little bit about where I'm at, where I'm working through. I'm as far away from the desire for an organized religion as I've ever been, but closer to the heart of Jesus Christ than I think I've ever been. And this morning... I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't matter at all. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is that all of that stuff without Jesus definitely doesn't matter. But it needs to flow from Jesus. And so we'll baptize our daughter when we're ready. When it flows from a hunger and a desire for her to know Jesus Christ. And this morning, no matter where you're at, God wants you to cry out for one thing hope in Jesus. And so I want to invite you this morning to say to God, God, I don't know where I've been. God, I've made mistakes. But God, I want in on Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to get hope that will overcome all difficulty. And you can have that hope this morning by saying Jesus Christ I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible tells us that we're born again. And as 1 Peter 3 says, we're born again into a living hope. And so today, take a step. Cry out and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I want to know you above all else. And today, if you're following Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Today, if you're following Jesus Christ, the encouragement today to you is this. Cling to Jesus. Become. Become like Jesus. Imitate Jesus. Let everything in your life flow from the person and the character of Jesus Christ. And if you're following Jesus Christ, be bold today because we have hope in Jesus Christ and it's time we begin to resemble Jesus Christ in the world around us. And so I hope that you can go back to your kitchen table tonight Tomorrow night, and whatever the discussion is, I hope that you can say, We have hope. I hope that you can say, I'm going to cling to Jesus. Let us pray. Everlasting God, you are the creator, we are the created. I come before you this morning acknowledging my frailty, acknowledging our frailty. So we ask now, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us the ability to trust in Jesus. Right now, God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you give each of us the gift of faith. And so we pray now, O oh Lord, in the coming days, that you would equip us and empower us to cling to Jesus Christ above all else. Lord, as we wrestle with this different thing of being part of a religion, of being part of Christianity, we pray that you would guide us and keep us grounded in Christ. Keep us grounded that everything we do flows from Christ and for Christ. So God, we pray that you'd have your way this morning in us, through us, and among us. God, we praise you and we thank you for the resurrection hope. In Jesus' name, amen.